We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and I'm joined uh, for my annual chat with Tim McLeod to go over the Asian imports. Um, really excited to have you, Tim. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, James. Thanks for having me. I always look forward to this uh, to this chat. Uh, that and, and trying to snipe each other at a first pitch draft, but that'll have to wait for next year. Uh, I guess for both of us, but uh, looking forward to talking up some of the Asian players we're going to see in the next short while. Should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. You're the best. Uh, love having you on for this. Uh, why don't we just get started with Yoshinobu Yamamoto? Uh, he's already got an ADP inside the top 100. Yeah. He is 25 years old, has not signed yet. Um, I saw the athletic is projecting a seven-year, $203 million deal for him. Um, so they're projecting him to be the, the highest-paid free agent pitcher this winter. Uh, let's just let's get into it. What, what do you think about Yamamoto? Well, uh, the one thing I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, from November 1st, I believe, to December 15th is the posting period. And I'm looking forward to somebody officially saying he's posted. There's a lot of surmising and anticipation that he will be, and and I believe he will be posted. But once you get that official thing out of the way, that that makes it a little clearer. But as far as uh, as far as the skill set, he is the best pitcher we've seen come over, uh, not including, of course, Shohei Otani, but uh, since uh, Tanaka with the Yankees, uh, we're talking about a pitcher that. Uh, He'll, he throws a uh, mid-90s fastball, uh, a great forkball. Uh, command is exceptional. Uh, he's a total package, and he's 25 years of age, uh, turning 26 next year. Uh, the one thing that I really like, you know, I could go through his list of accomplishments, triple-triple, yada, yada, yada. He's just totally dominated Japanese ball. But the one thing that I do like is the fact that uh, – Tanaka, in his last year, he was worked hard, especially in the playoffs. And uh, I don't see Yamamoto being worked nearly to that level. So I think that bodes a bit better for us in North America. 
with the product we're going to see next year. I have them pegged somewhere be somewhere around the 200 million plus posting fee uh, mark. So yeah, I can't disagree with the athletic on their assessment. He's 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 going to be an elite level free agent and somebody that all the big market clubs they're, they're going to be chasing him, James. Yeah, I, you know the more I kind of dig in on him, mm-hmm. um, it, it seems like he's undervalued right now in the market. Uh, yeah, I think that was that ended up being true last year with with Cody Senga. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, currently Yamamoto the twenty eighth SP off the board. Um, you know, I think that you look at you know it, it's funny because like he's going about twenty five picks behind Senga and then he's going to go, you know, 40 picks or so behind guys like Blake Snell and Aaron Nola, who he might uh, out earn uh, potentially by a, a not insignificant amount in free agency. So, you know, do you think, and obviously where he signs will be important here, but, you know, do you, do you prefer Yamamoto over Senga for instance, for, for, this upcoming season, just context neutral. Um, I Yamamoto was a far better pitcher, I believe, at this stage of his career than Senga. Senga has already proven it. Yamamoto still has to go through the transition of moving from the Japanese game to Major League Baseball. You know, pack, pack, packing everything up and heading to a new land. Yada yada yada. Uh, I I think you're looking at a seven eight year deal on Yamamoto and. Uh, I'm willing to predict that Yamamoto has a better career than Senga. Next year, uh, a very small wager that he has a better year than Senga. Senga really (laughs) did well last year. Uh, He'd be tough to best that, but at the same point in time, I have no problems looking at Yamamoto as a top 25 starter heading into drafts uh, next spring. None whatsoever. Yeah, you you take a look at, you know, Three years, three consecutive years, he's won the Saw Samura Award as the best pitcher in Japan. He's pitched a no hitter in each of 2022 and 2023. He's a five time All Star. Uh, you know, he's won the Pacific League MVP two years in a row, possibly three with this year. And he's got a th- three consecutive triple Japanese Triple Crown pitching awards. Yeah, he, he is. He is a very, very good pitcher and one that. Uh, is going to draw our attention come spring. There's no doubt about it. None at all. And maybe comparing him to Senga, one thing that stands out to me at least is it, it seems like Yamamoto could be someone who has one of the better whips yeah. in in the majors his first year, uh, or at least kind of once he settles in, whereas mm-hmm. Senga, you know, he's he's dominant with the strikeouts. Um but the, the control, maybe not quite um, where it is with Yamamoto at the time they came over. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if Yamamoto posts anything uh, anything higher than a 110 whip. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He, he, puts, he puts the ball around home plate where he wants it to. Senga got off to a bit of a, a slow start in that direction. I think Senga's whip will improve this year as well. If you look at the second half once he settled in, but... No, Yamamoto is a better pitcher than Cody Senga, and he's five years younger. And that's why when you look, I, th- I think Senga's on a five-year, $75 million deal uh, with the Mets. 
that's why you'll be looking at probably two and a half times the contract on Yamamoto simply because of age and overall skill set. Yeah, Yamamoto is a great pitcher. The, the only the only big concern that I can see Major League Baseball having is related to his stature. He's 5'10", 170 mm-hmm. pounds. He's not a big guy, but to this point in time, there have been no issues as far as uh, no health-related issues. So uh, every once in a while, you can get a smaller pitcher that can actually survive and play the game. Yeah, and uh, you know, 171 innings this past year. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. the, the stature is it, – it does stand out, you know, just mm-hmm. seeing the guys 5'10", but – like you said, no, no concerns so far um, well, from a durability standpoint. No, none whatsoever. And then, you know, he brings the fastball into, into the mid nineties, uh, has a, a full repertoire. The, he can crank the fastball up close to triple digits if he has to, he doesn't work in that range, but no, it's uh he's, he's a good solid pitcher. I, I like him a lot. As a matter of fact, um, I actually have him rostered in one league. I have had for two years, so that pretty well sums up how how much I believe in him. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, Choda Imanaga, mm-hmm. a lefty who is uh, also expected to come over, um, but he's you know there's there's less excitement I guess from the drafting public. Uh, he's got an ADP just inside the top two seventy. Uh, thus far um so he's getting you know he's getting drafted as sort of like a back-end sp that you might start um you know he's got uh, also really low whips um pitching in the the npb but mm-hmm. um maybe not quite the same level of electric stuff i don't know if i'm i'm reading that correctly but you know what's your kind of breakdown on imanaga mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. The, the big difference is there's five five years difference in in age. Okay, you're I mean, you're looking at his age 31 season will be his rookie campaign in Major League Baseball. But again, we're we're looking at a starting pitcher that has uh I would say a safe number 3 type starting pitcher floor. You know, we're talking we're talking about a guy. He's got a, a career ERA, I believe, of three eighteen. That's not too shabby over over six seven seasons. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, he works in the in the low nineties with his fastball. He'll throw just about everything at you. Has a great changeup. So uh, I I look at I look at him as a solid number three and possibly undervalued come drafts in the spring. I think so much focus is going to be on Yamamoto. I, I think there's a, a possibility that the interest might be a little bit low on him. And I, like I said, I, I think he's got solid number three potential. Uh, and let's face it, he, he throws he throws from the wrong side. Anybody who can throw left-handed is going to get a job in Major League Baseball. So I could see him looking at a contract in the same range, maybe a bit lower than Senga God last year with the Mets, somewhere in that range. Yeah, so he's someone that really any team could be in on um, at that price, in theory. Uh, and in theory, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think you 
you nailed it there. Just kind of, you know, you're hoping for sort of mid rotation production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, like the, the whip stat, I, I like that, you know, that that's a, that's a stat where you can get into the danger zone. Sometimes, you know, you say Kikuchi, that's always been uh, you know, his weakest area. Yeah. Um, so I like, I like the idea that, you know, maybe you're not getting just this high impact quantity of strikeouts necessarily, but you know, someone that in theory could maybe uh, help you or at least not do any damage to the ratios. Well, yeah, he's not going to give it away. You want to get to first base. His walk numbers have always been very solid, and that should sustain itself through to the transition to Major League Baseball, James. Totally agree. All right. Our next player we're going to discuss here is Jung-Hoo Lee. Uh, He'll be coming over um, from the KBO and uh, played – He's been playing exclusively in center field uh, the past few years over there. Uh, I know in one in one draft, someone took him just inside the top 200, um, but traditionally he's been going, or um, in the in most drafts he goes kind of more in like the no man's land of like 400 ish. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of a, a big a big array of opinions on on Lee and and how impactful he'll be. Uh, what's what's your take on him? Well, he's young. That's that's a big plus. He's uh, he's just turning. He's turned twenty five, so we're looking at a fairly young player. His home runs uh, total spiked upwards last year. I believe he had twenty three, and we're trending in the right direction. And this year, unfortunately, he missed the last two months of the season with a fractured ankle. Now, it's not going to affect his posting. He will be posted. But again, what he built on in 2022 sort of took a step back, I think, in 2023. Uh, The one thing he brings to the table is uh, elite strike zone judgment skills. Uh, The last time he struck out more than he walked was the 2018 season when he was 20 years old. Uh, he'll consistently uh, walk more than strike out. I, I'd be disappointed if we didn't see an OBP in the 360 plus, possibly even higher range. As far as power and speed, uh, moderate numbers, moderate numbers there. And we've, we've got the transition from the KBO to MLB. So uh, if you're if you're looking for a a late player that uh, will definitely help you from a batting average OBP perspective. I think he's a decent decent target as a number five outfielder. But I, at this point in time, I don't think we've seen anything to indicate that the power and speed will be a big asset, James. Yeah, it, that, that 23 homer outlier um, from 2022 yeah. um, appears to be just that, just kind of looking at his track record. Um mm-hmm. I mentioned that he's been playing center field over there. Yeah. Uh, is that, you know, is that going to be something you expect him to do over here? Is he maybe more of a left fielder? I, I would, I would expect him in one of the, one of the corner slots. And again, it, it's a lot of it's going to be team dependent. Uh, I, I think he'd be a, a great fit, much the same as Hassan Kim has proven to be a great fit at the top of the order in the number two spot. 
because with his contact skills, he'll be able to advance runners. He'll get on base, score runs. Uh, if utilized correctly, I, I think he's got the potential to be a very good baseball player. But I think it's fair to temper the expect, expectations from both a power and speed perspective. I'd be targeting him as a number five outfielder. Sure, sure. Year. Yeah, and so, I mean, he might even – he might be someone who – just depending on the draft you're in, um, at least before he signs. I feel like once these guys sign, <laughs> there's a dollar figure out there, there's a team, people yeah. kind of are, are thinking about how the pieces are going to fit. That's mm-hmm. when the market kind of comes together and, and there's sort of a more defined range where he's going. But I think right now there is, you know, maybe even if you're not necessarily in on him, mm-hmm. You might just be sitting out there for you at a point where it's, yeah. it's a good pick. Well, exactly. If you want to comp, comp him to Yoshida in Boston mm-hmm. at five years younger with a better OBP. Yeah, that's, that's a very good way to look at it. Well, and that's uh, that brings you a fairly useful player as a fourth, fifth outfielder, depending on, of course, how you construct, how you know how you build your teams and how your team construction works, right? Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, it just some people are more comfortable with that very light power, light speed profile than others. Um, yeah. But I think there's there's room. You know, it, he's he's probably not going to be just a complete zero. Um, no, no, the kid the kid's got some skills. Uh, again, it's just a case of tempering expectations in certain categories. I think. Yeah, hey, if you're if you're looking at a guy and oh, he's going to hit 25 home runs, well, I think you might be a little on the high side, <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, this this is fun. I I have been getting more and more into uh, relief pitching prospects stateside, oh, and now yeah. we've got a relief pitcher uh, that there's there's at least mild interest in coming over. Uh, from the MPB, uh, Yuki Matsui, uh, 28-year-old lefty, just turned 28. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, excitement level for Matsui? I don't think we've discussed a, I guess, you know, Fuj- or, um, Fujinami, I guess, ended up being a reliever. But yeah, uh, what's, what's your interest in Matsui? Well, uh, there are, there's some serious pluses. And there's one fairly serious, maybe two serious minuses here. He was the quickest player in Japan to get to 200 saves. He's a proven closer, proven skill set. Uh, the fastball, it's not great, low 90s. Uh, but he has a great, great slider and forkball. Everybody coming out of Japan has a great forkball. Okay, that's... Uh, I think that's a rule. If you're coming coming out of Japan, you've got a forkball splitter. Great pitches. He throws from the left side. Um, again, uh, he's got a sub ERA in each of the last three seasons. Well, now that's all the good news. Now the bad news. He's five foot eight. Okay, he's he's a little guy, but he also throws overhand. Now, I don't know how much that comes into play, but I think at any height, if you're throwing directly over the top, that definitely makes a difference. Um, I think he can close in Major League Baseball. Now, does Major League Baseball 
share my thoughts. You know, hey, he's got he's got the pedigree, he's got the numbers, but he's also five five foot eight lefty. Um, I I think I think he'll find a job. I think he wants to pitch in Major League Baseball. I think he'll find a job. And if you're looking for a sleeper type pick, pending on where he eventually uh, calls home, uh, I'd be interested. You know, a lot's going to depend on team con- context, but he's he's definitely be able to. Maybe, you know, he's definitely proven that he is able to do the job, James. So. Uh, like I said, there's pluses and there's minuses there. In a draft and hold, some are, some people are already getting going. I'd, I'd throw a dart at him after after the 40th pick right now, see how it shakes down. Yeah, right now he's gone as high as uh, 342 and as low as yeah. uh, 702. So, yeah. uh, And I guess he actually went undrafted and won. So okay. uh, very much – yeah, I think I think you you laid it out well there. Um, you know, you don't want to draft him and assume you've got twenty saves, mm-hmm. uh, but if you draft him as you know your fifth reliever, fourth reliever, or something, maybe like that, maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe it pans out that way. Well, yeah, if he signs with the Royals, yeah, you'll have reason to be happy, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you won't be. Uh, you might not be ecstatic, but you'll be you'll yeah. be in with a chance. Um, yeah, exactly. There'll be a, they should there should be an opportunity there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Now, now we get to move on to a, a handful of guys that actually have some big league experience and have mm-hmm. been pitching in Asia for for one reason or another. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk first about Eric Fetty, mm-hmm. uh, who you brought up and who. Uh, has actually not been selected at all in any draft and hold yet, which I find to be um, probably an, an oversight by the drafting mm-hmm. public. Uh, honestly, I'm interested to hear uh, your thoughts on it. But, um, you know, Fetty just had a, a dynamite season in the KBO this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I think he's one of five pitchers to record 200 strikeouts and 20 wins in a season, uh, an absolutely amazing season uh, in Korea. And a, a lot of it goes back. I know people say, Eric Fetty, okay, struggled with Washington forever and ever and ever and ever. But there's a, an interesting article uh, in the Washington Post from a while back. Uh, and basically, it went through uh, in an interview process with Fetty what he had to do and what he did do before heading off to Korea. And uh, he spent he spent the offseason working with uh, Push and Next Era in Arizona. And basically, he, he redid his mechanics the whole nine yards. He analyzed the fastball shape, the overall was breaking ball, tweaked the grip and wrist position uh, with the changeup. Uh, it was a complete it was a complete overhaul. So it's not like he went to the KBO and he was the same pitcher when he left and he just enjoyed success. Uh he upped his game and basically redid redid everything uh from the ground up and uh, the proof's in the pudding. He had a great year. Now, I don't know if he's interested right now in coming back to Major League Baseball. I'd have to assume that that would be definitely on his list. Uh, and we have seen success from Merrill Kelly and other pitchers, Anjan uh, coming out of Korea. Um, I guess it'll depend on the interest level because I know there's several teams in Japan right now that are reaching out and there's definitely an interest. Uh, I'd love to see him back in Major League Baseball with the changes he made to his game. And to see how that translates, but he's coming off an amazing season, James. He really is. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely trickier with the guys that that head over to the KBO. You know, he's yeah. he's thirty years old, but seventy uh, percent ground ball rate, yeah. um, at least according to Fangraphs, in yeah. one hundred eighty innings. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would I would think there would be some big league teams that are interested. I guess it just maybe comes down to whether they're yeah. as interested as the, the NPB teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Fetty, if you're using like a final round pick of a 50 round draft and hold on a guy who yeah. can log 180 innings and would, if yeah. he, if, if he signs, he's going to sign to be a, in someone's big league rotation, right? Well, yeah, they're not going to sign. They're not going to sign him to a minor league deal. No, he's, uh, and if I was his agent, what I'd be doing is uh, holding up a picture of Merrill Kelly. Right. Okay, and the results from the uh, from his last outing in the in the playoffs. Uh, 
Uh, again, it depends on on if he does make it back to Major League Baseball. But I, I'd love to see it. I, I really would, especially with the changes that he made uh, top to bottom in his game. It's uh, it's it's fascinating. You know, I, I think a lot of players get to the stage in their career where they're they've hit a wall. Okay, they're they're not going forward; they're going sideways and. You know, sometimes a year or two, I know Colby Lewis, a few number of years ago, he went to Japan and learned a new pitch, came back, and he was successful with Texas. And I just find it fascinating, and I admire pitchers that realize, that, hey, it, something has to change. And sometimes that trip to Asia and uh, a look at the mechanics, et cetera, et cetera, they come back very, very good pitchers. So I'm hoping for success uh, from Mr. Fetty. So we go from a potentially uh, heartwarming story in Eric Fetty to a much more unsavory story in uh, Trevor Bauer. Um, he yeah. see, got up to 156 and two-thirds innings pitching mm-hmm. in the MPB this year. Uh, 2.53 ERA, 1.13 whip. 160 Ks. Um, yeah. Did you do you think Bauer is uh, like a clear sort of notch below what he used to be? Do you, is this kind of what you would have expected from like a, a kind of in his prime Bauer? Like what what type of pitcher are potential uh, MLB suitors looking at now with him? Uh, I think they're looking at they're looking at a number two type starting pitcher. He got off to a rough start in Japan. The first few starts were first few starts were were tough, but once he settled in, you know, he pitched very well. He won 10 games, strikeout per inning. Um, every, everything was solid. The, the big question with Trevor Bauer is will somebody entertain the idea of signing him to a contract? Because we we do know it will bring media scrutiny. Is that the right word? <laughs> it'll bring it'll bring scrutiny, uh, probably from media and people outside the media. Yeah, hey, exactly. Uh, he wants to come back. It'll be interesting to see if a team in Major League Baseball decides to make that move. I think he's capable of pitching at a a safe number three, potentially number two level in Major League Baseball, and. Let's face it right now, pitchers, it's getting tough. Uh, you know, when you start looking at the, you know, there's no Otani next year, no Alcantara, you know, look, McClanahan, the list goes on and on. Pitching is going to be something that's going to be highly coveted this offseason. So uh, I guess we just sit back and watch things unfold. Yeah. And uh, you know, Trevor Bauer right now with a, 442 ADP. Um, yeah. yeah. Take that for what you will. Uh, yeah. I, again, he could be pitching in Japan again next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I guarantee no, I, there's yeah. a bunch of, there are a bunch of people in big league front offices mm-hmm. making a case for their team to sign Bauer. And then it just kind of comes down to, I mean, this is, this is a ownership level decision for whichever yeah. team considers him. Yeah, definitely the GM is not going to make the, this decision solely. No, that, you're right. It's uh, it's coming from the highest level of the organization. Yep, totally agree. Uh, 
a last minute ad here to the rundown, uh, Gregory Polanco. And I'm glad you actually you did that because I was, um, I just happened to randomly notice um, he he was posting some of his highlights, I think, on, on yeah. social media uh, where I follow him uh, not too long ago. So cool. what, do, what do you think? Gregory Polanco, you know, the numbers don't necessarily jump out to me um, from from Japan, uh, but he's still got still got quite a bit of power. Yeah, you know, he tied for the lead. It was a three-way lead in the Pacific League with uh, 26 home runs. Uh, I, th- I think he's the same Gregory Polanco. He, he struck out a fair bit, 92 times, 47 walks. But he can still hit for power. And um, I haven't seen anything to this point in time where he's expressed an interest in returning, staying, whatever. But... It's just a name that, with the power that he produced last year, just a name I thought I should throw out there. And, you know, hey, we'll find out sometime in the next couple of weeks what his intentions are. And, yeah, if he if he is looking at returning to Major League Baseball, you know, you get into your draft and whole leagues, depending on where he potentially could land, uh, he, he could prove to be an asset after the 35th round, something along those lines. But right now I, I have no idea whether he's coming, going or in between. So again, we have to wait for some definition. Uh, I would, uh, I would throw my dart tosses at Eric Betty right now before Gregory Polanco. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what do you think about, and you know, Polanco, someone obviously extremely dependent on team context, you know, you want, you want him to sign with a team like the A's or something like that. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Roberto Ozuna, another another guy who's kind of um, you know uh, not not looked upon very favorably for for past deeds, but mm. uh, coming off a, a healthy year, um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's going to be the same level of uh, public uh, backlash to whichever team would be interested in signing Roberto Zuna as there would be with Trevor Bauer. Uh, but he also probably isn't bringing the same level of uh, real life value to the table that Bauer is bringing, but uh, did save 26 games and 49 innings uh, pitching in the MPB this past season. Well, yeah, he, um, he started his, uh, he started his career in 2022, saved 10 games in a, in a part save season, posted a 0.91 ERA and got virtually no interest from Major League Baseball. Okay, well, this year he upped the ante. He posted a .92 ERA. <laughs> okay, saved 26 games. Uh, the interesting thing is this year his team in his team in Japan, the SoftBank Hawks, uh, they're offering him serious money to stay. Uh, like we're talking a four-year deal, 27 mil. Like that's that's good money. Uh, my gut feeling on Ozuna is four years, twenty-seven mil. He's gonna he's probably gonna stay in Japan when you're talking that level of money because I don't think after the interest level we saw last year, and he looked he looked great after twenty twenty-two. You know he didn't get any offers, nothing. I don't see anybody in Major League Baseball reaching out to top an offer in that range. So again, he he could return. But this year, it's going to cost somebody, and I don't know if somebody's going to be willing to pay that price. That's that's really good context there, uh, and that I think I I would agree with your read on that. If if those offers are on the table over there, um, 
So uh, Ozuna did not have uh, an ADP, uh, I don't believe, but uh, Kona Takahashi uh, has been drafted in at least one draft and hold. Um, from what I could tell, it's still very much up in the air. If he will be posted, uh, he <laughs> wants to be posted. Uh, he went to driveline last off season. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Takahashi? Uh, whoever drafted him in that early draft and hold, um, you can kiss that pick goodbye. His, <laughs> his, his team, and I'm proudly wearing, I'm proudly wearing their cap. Uh, Sabu is not going to post him. They've made it official. They're not going to post him. He's looking at a posting probably for the following year. Okay. Okay. Uh, do I like him? Hey, if you're playing in deeper keeper formats where it's open universe, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be looking at this kid because he does want to play, and I think he will make it to Major League Baseball at some point. My guess is that some point will be the 2025 season. So if you got room in your minors and you can draft him, get him drafted, sit back, wait the year, hope everything goes well, and you'll have him in 2025. But uh, you won't see him this year coming up. And I, I should have mentioned Takahashi, uh, a 26-year-old righty. Um, yep. And then in the show notes that everyone will be able to find in the podcast, I will have everyone's names spelt out. And in uh, the order, we we reference them for, for anyone who wants to kind of Make sure they're they're on top of the right guy. Um, what about uh, Naoki Uwasawa, uh, who I believe will be posted, but um, from what I could tell, maybe less exciting than the other guys we've discussed. Yeah, I, I think less exciting is fair. Yeah, we're talking about a starter with a 91-mile-an-hour fastball. Okay. The, you know, he will throw the kitchen sink at you. He's got a little bit of everything in his repertoire and he'll work up, down, in and, in and out, very speeds. Uh, I think you're looking at a, you know, a back of the rotation type starter, number four, five type starter, but he's proven to be, to be a workhorse in Japan. So again, uh, for the purposes of our game, uh, we all know you can never have enough starting pitching. Well, it, you can't have enough starting pitching. When you get into uh, when you get into drafts this year, uh, you're looking for somebody in a uh, reserve slot. Uh, yeah, I, I take I take a look at him. I, I think somebody will sign him. And again, we're not we're not talking Kode Senga. We're not talking. Yeah, Yamamoto. We're we're talking a number five five type starter, and it's worth a dart dart toss at this point in time to me. Yeah, and he uh, he's a guy that you know he really didn't strike out many batters. Um, yeah. So you know maybe it's kind of like Wade Miley type of production in the best case scenario. Um, I've seen some comps to Arahara who Texas uh, signed a couple years back that didn't work out. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping for better days for, uh, for the next uh, era. Hera. How's that? Well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, Tim, I think we've covered pretty much everyone that redraft players need to worry about, but yeah. we got to talk about Roki Sasaki. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
he's one of the best prospects in the entire world, if not yes. the best prospect in the entire world. We won't get to see him in the big leagues for a while, but yeah. you know, what's your level of excitement with Roki Sasaki and when do you expect him to come over? Well, yeah, you know, when when you get when you get a young starting pitcher that throws a perfect game and strikes out 19 and then goes out in his next outing and throws eight perfect innings before he's pulled, <laughs> how can you not be excited about that? Yeah, I think his average fastball velocity in 2022 was 98 and change. You know, yeah, he routine routinely breaks 100 miles an hour, 102. Uh, he's young. You're looking at probably at least four years away. Uh, the talent level is off the charts. He is, you know, yeah, you're talking uh, as far as a prospect is, you're talking Yuri Perez, you know, elite level prospect. My, my, my concern is this, this year, uh, he missed the final couple months of the season with, uh, an oblique issue and he's young. He throws hard. Uh, He's a long way away. If you even in open universe leagues, um, uh, one that I'm involved in, he was he was released this year by the by the team manager simply because he's so far away. And my big concern is with that max effort. At some point in time, I think he might be better off if he toned things down a little bit. And I'm not saying he's not a pitcher, but more of a pitcher, less of a hard tosser, if that makes sense. So that, that's my concerns. He's, he's an elite level prospect, but he's a long ways away, James. Long way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's got to be ch- it's challenging for people out there in those open universe leagues because you see mm-hmm. a player like this who is just so exciting. Um, yeah. You know, the, the talent jumps off, you know, the video, the numbers are crazy. Uh, you just kind of you imagine what this type of player would look like mm. against big league hitters, and it's, it's easy to get carried away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess if if he ends up needing Tommy John surgery or something like that, I guess it's not the end of the world for mm. dynasty players just because he wasn't coming over yeah. between now and then, anyways. But um, yeah, just I, I know he's a long ways away, um, but he's yeah. just and he's so fun to to talk awesome. about it you know. yeah no he's an amazing pitcher there there's no doubt about it totally totally amazing and i just hope he finds a way to stay healthy and at some point in time we see him in major league baseball be great for great for the game okay so uh kazuma okamoto was mm-hmm. a guy that uh, i believe you wanted to to touch on um he's 27 um, kind of corner bat, some first base, third base. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be posted this off season, but uh, what's your what's your kind of analysis on Okamoto and when might we see him? Well, this is a tricky one because he plays for the Giants, and the Giants historically have not had much to do with the posting procedure. As a matter of fact, I think at one point in time they almost re- they virtually refused to recognize the posting procedure. They posted two players. Uh, one was Shun Yamaguchi, went to the Jays, and he got posted because there was a deal in place. They traded for him in Japan, and there was a deal in place where he'd get posted. So they, you know, they they followed through on that end of their deal. Uh, we're talking about a player that six consecutive seasons of thirty plus home runs. This guy, this guy can hit uh, big time. 
I don't know what the Giants are going to do. If, if you know, you're looking, I believe, at 2026 if they don't post them. Uh, again, I don't know what the Giants are going to do. There's a chance they could post them, but the skills are there where he could be a better than average everyday player wherever he decides to play. There's no speed, but there's lots of power and the contact skills are absolutely great. Uh, he's a target of mine in my one open universe league that I'll be drafting in March. So I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing with his skill set to take a chance and see what happens this off season and the next, because I'm sure that we will get some sort of an indication at some point in time as to what the giants are going to do. So, yeah. So, it, yeah. so ba- basically, you know, after 2026 at the latest, I guess, and then mm-hmm. you're just kind of hoping that it happens before then. Yeah. I, I think it's with his skill set, I think it's worth rolling the dice now, just in the event that uh, they decide to post him after next year. If they, if that was were to be the case, he would be a very hot commodity. Yeah, I mean you're you're right about Okamoto's um, yeah. offensive output. I mean, just consistent, mm-hmm. um, extremely productive. Does look like it would translate. So it would would be great if he came over with uh, you know a few prime years remaining. Um, mm. He is twenty seven, so. Yeah, well, again, just look back historically. I believe Koji Urahara, when he came over, he was two weeks short on service time. They held him for a full year. So it's 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 far from, if I had to lay odds down, I'd say it's less than 50%, but I'm willing to take that chance with his skill set. What do you think about Munitaka Murakami? Um He's a 23-year-old power-hitting third baseman. Um, believe he had a, a much better year in 2022, yeah. um, but it does seem like he will be posted after the 2025 season. Yeah, he he's, he struggled in the WBC this year, and he sort of brought that forward into the regular season, but come the end of the year, he's still at 31 home runs. Okay, it wasn't his best year, but we're talking about a player that, uh, I think he turns 24. Yeah, he turns 24 at the beginning of, beginning of February next year, and he already has 191 career home runs. This kid can mash, yeah, big time. And he's he signed a, uh, I believe it's a three year deal, and at the end of that three years, his team has agreed to post him. He has two years left, 24 and 25. So uh, assuming health and his desire to play in Major League Baseball is there two years down the road, we will see him for 2026. And again, you're looking you're looking at big boy power. I think he hit 56 home runs the year before. Uh, yeah, he, he'll hit the ball a long way, a long, long way. Yeah, and, and if he, you know, he'll come over – after the next two years and he'll be um you know he'll basically be signing with a big league team for what would in theory be you know three or four prime years still Um, well yeah he's he's young uh unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you want to look at it um all of these players fall into the international uh 
the international clause as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. And unless a player wants to go into the system with the the six, seven years, you know, the free agency, the arbitration, et cetera, et cetera, you got to be 25 to come over. And I, I think that's a shame. I, I don't believe uh, for professional players, they should have to wait until 25 years of age to head to major league baseball to be treated as a free agent. But I don't make up the, I don't make up the rules. I only, I only live with them like everybody else. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, major league baseball is trying to, you know, trying to showcase baseball as a global game, but at the same point in time, they're limiting opportunities for certain parts of the globe, which I don't think is right. No, I agree with you. Um, but uh, yeah, Murakami, name to keep in mind. Yep, to be definitely. posted after the 2025 season. Uh, now you you threw in a couple uh, Cuban relievers who have yeah. been dominating in the NPB. Uh, Rydell Martinez, a 27 year old righty, was one of the top closers mm-hmm. in the NPB, and then Levan Moinello. Uh, turns 28 next week. Uh, he was one of the top setup men. He's a, a lefty, uh, but I did read he may get stretched out this upcoming season. So what's your uh, level of interest in these guys? And then, you know, I don't really, you know, we're not going to be stashing relievers necessarily in open universe leagues, but um, yeah. they seem like they might be exciting enough to at least be, be names to follow it. Yeah, I think they're definitely names to track moving forward. The the thing with both of these pitchers is uh, to get they have to take a little bit of a different path to Major League Baseball. They have to defect. Okay, uh, and again, who knows what's going to happen? But uh, both great pitchers, Manila uh, got shut down with elbow pain. I think it was loose body, so it wasn't Tommy John. But Martinez had an amazing year. Uh, 46 and a third, 62 Ks, four walks, uh, a 0.39 ERA. I don't think he allowed his first earned run, one of only two he allowed all season. It was sometime in June or July. Uh, in, be- in between, he, he set a record with 35 consecutive strikeouts. Well, I don't care what league you play in. That, that's Those are big-time numbers, huge numbers. Uh, again, just players that I believe have the skills that would translate very well to Major League Baseball. What happens down the road, who knows? But uh, if you've got a sheet of players to track, I would have them definitely on that list. They're both intriguing options and very good. Yeah, pitchers. I mean, you get you know mid nineties fastballs from from both of them. Um, yeah. you know, dominant numbers, like yeah. you said, from from Martinez. Um, yeah, I think it'd be if we knew that, like, say Martinez was coming over to sign mm-hmm. as a closer, we'd we'd be much more excited about him than Matsui, right? Definitely, yes. If uh, if sometime in the next month Martinez were to defect, yeah, he would store up the he would store up my uh, my charts in a hurry, big time. All right, Tim, we got a couple more guys uh, to close okay. things out here. Um, I, I brought up uh, Hiroto Takahashi, um, mm. 21-year-old righty. Um, 
mid nineties fastball. And the thing that jumped out to me is he, he threw 150 innings this past season. Yeah. And he's still just 21 years old. Uh, we won't be seeing him anytime soon. I wouldn't think, but uh, do you have any thoughts on uh, Hiroto Takahashi? Yeah. An elite level talent. Uh, definitely. We, we got our first taste of him in the WBC where he pitched some, he pitched one relief inning, I think. And I'm just, if I'm not mis- mistaken, shut down a couple MVPs in the process. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, you're looking at a, a kid that posted a 253 ERA. He's up to 150 innings. Uh, three years from now, I wouldn't be at all shocked if we are talking about Takahashi in the same light that we are today talking about Yamamoto. Sky high potential, uh, and he can bring it. I believe into you know, I believe his fastball peaked out at ninety eight and change. Uh, he's got he's got the he's got a, the the whole repertoire. And again, uh, a player that you can etch in your kitchen table and just see what happens over the next few years. Again, the age twenty five thing comes into play. We're probably looking at three four years down the road, but uh, this kid has some serious skills. And then uh, Rintaro Sasaki, uh, the youngest player we've discussed, he's step, he's 17. He made headlines by skipping the NPB draft, and now mm-hmm. he's he's going to come over and uh, play D1 ball. I believe he's going to – I think Vanderbilt's in the mix um, if they haven't already secured him. Um yeah. What are your thoughts? And I, I saw Sasaki's been called the the Japanese Prince Fielder. Um, what are your thoughts on Sasaki? And then I guess just more, maybe even more relevant. Just this is this a trend potentially here with him basically opting out of playing an NPB to expedite his um, ability to to get into MLB. Well, he he should be available for both drafts. Okay, so that's where it gets real interesting. But there's a reason that they comp him to fielder. The kid's 17 years old. Uh, He set the high school record. I think it's 140 home runs uh, as a 17-year-old, 140 high school home runs, and he's 250 pounds. (laughs) Okay, he's a big boy, (laughs) a real big boy. Uh, But again, I – the rumor mill, of course, Vanderbilt, because of the the quality of their program, it's they're going to get mentioned anytime something like this happens. But uh, do I think it's a trend? Uh, I'll say no, but I think it's opening doors, limited limited opportunities moving forward. It, it's always tough uh, when you start looking at your kids and saying, okay, you know, he's 17 years old. He can live at home or he could live within a couple hours of home in his home country. This kid's 17 years old and he's going off to university in the U.S. That's a big decision to make with a lot of ramifications. Do I see it as influencing some other players moving forward? Of course it will. But you're not going to see anything wholesale, you know, any wholesale uh, wholesale changes. What is interesting is the same thing happened in the KBO draft. The potential number one uh, player in the KBO draft this year signed with the Dodgers as a 19-year-old. Uh, uh, something we oh, never, yep. you, you you know who I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking uh, young. Yep. 
Yeah, you know, the Dodgers signed him, and he was touted to be the number one pick in the KBO amateur draft. So, like I said, I don't – I think it's going to open opportunities, but I don't think that it's going to be cause for wholesale change. You know, we've also – there's also a kid over in Japan right now, Stewart, who opted out of the – basically the MLB draft, and he went to Japan, uh, Carter Stewart. and. Yeah. Yeah, he, he actually looked really good towards the end of the year, and he's still young. So maybe maybe we're going to see the the reverse of that, and Stewart will be back in Major League Baseball in a couple of years. <laughs> it's a lot to lot to keep track of, uh, yeah. a lot of lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, nobody better than you, Tim, to to break it down. Um, this this seems like a, a banner year. Yeah, this is from. From what I'm seeing right now, this has the potential to be the best year that we have seen to date for Asian players uh, and former Major League Baseball players returning to the fold. There's a a lot of exciting names, a lot of high-end talent, and I'm really looking forward to... uh, November and December when we start to see, you know, some of these players signing contracts and the decisions getting made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I would I would definitely agree with you and say it's uh, it's a banner year. And uh, I think over the next couple of seasons uh, that potential exists uh, moving forward as well. Yeah, I think just the fact that we've got, um, you know, a handful of guys that are so exciting that we're talking about them um, two, three, four years before they can even come over. Wow. Kind of tells me that this is just going to keep being um, a big influx of talent every year um, yeah. just, with at least a few guys. So, yeah, uh, I've been, I've been doing this since before Dice K came over in the early 2000s. And I can honestly say that I'm, I'm more excited about 20 this off season than any to date. So again, I, I I think uh, I think good days are ahead, James, and exciting times. Well, Tim, thanks so much for joining me. Um, anything you want to mention? Anything you want to plug to the listeners before uh, we say goodbye? Well, first off, I, w- I want to thank you for having me back again this year. It's always 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 fun talking uh, talking the game up with you, James. Uh, you're a good friend. You do great work, and I appreciate the opportunity. You can find me at uh, the Facebook Baseball 365 page, uh, Patton & Company. Uh, on Twitter, I'm RunTMCP361. And last but not least, uh, heading into our, I believe it's our 16th season, uh, you can join myself and Rich Wilson on the P361 podcast every Sunday. And again, thanks so much for having me on, James. I really appreciate it. And keep up the great work. I I want to take a, a good look sometime in the next few days at your top 400 list. Uh, looking forward to it. Well, thanks, buddy. Um, glad we got to do this. You know, it, it was good timing since we're both not going to be at first pitch. Uh, not going to hang out this year in person, but glad we got to do this. And I look forward to doing it uh, every year with you, hopefully. So uh, thanks so much for joining me. Um, this has been the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'll have another episode for you next Wednesday.